We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. He is back. Ladies and gentlemen, Christopher Cooley on the podcast, and he has prepped for this. How do I know that? Because I asked him if he would be ready at about 1 o'clock, right when I get off my radio show, and he said, no, I need more time to get ready. I'm still watching film. I can't tell you how excited I am, and I know everybody else is. Uh, the show today, by the way, as always, presented by Window Nation, 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. So, uh, wh- before we get to all the detail, do we g- do we have a football team here that's kind of interesting through two weeks? Yeah. I think you got a football team. Yeah? Was this the first year that we've done this, since at least since I've been here, that it wasn't just a dog shit start? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when, I think the first year when I was going to go on all the time with you and we were excited about the season, it was over by week seven. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's do film breakdown. They're out of it. Cool. Do you know the last time they started 2-0? and Jim Zorn's year? No, you didn't because you you lost to the Giants in that Thursday night opener before oh, we you guys seven and one, right, or something like that. <clears throat> um, no, you started six and two, but still, that was an incredible start <laughs> to the season. Um, so, I can't even remember my own seasons, so no, I don't. <laughs> when was the last time? All right, so you were on the last team that started two and zero, oh, and you were also on the last team that started three and zero. Oh. The last team that started two and zero oh was in twenty eleven with Rex, and you guys beat the Giants at home. That was Ryan Kerrigan's first game. He had a touchdown, actually. And then you beat the Cardinals 22-21 to at home. And so you started that season um, You started that season 2-0. and All right, then you lost and to the Cowboys on Monday Dallas? night. Yeah, exactly. You lost a close game to Dallas on Monday night, and then you beat um, the Rams to get to 3-1 and that year. <clears throat> now, you know, this was – you had a that that was not you know your best season by any stretch of the imagination. You missed a lot of games. You were injured, but in the last time you started three and zero, you were on that team as well. Do you remember? No. It was the season, really, for 
the seasons you were here, it's the last time this franchise won a playoff game, 2005. Yeah, it's 3-0, and then we lost some games after that. You did, and then you made the big run late. You know, the funny thing about that 3-0 and start, offensively, remember, you didn't score your first touchdown until the fourth quarter of week two on Monday night in Dallas, the Monday night miracle game. Because you beat the Bears 9-7. to You know, Joe started in that game, Patrick Ramsey, and then went to Brunel. And then um, Brunel started the rest of the year. And Right. And, you know, the game that I scored a touchdown in the first quarter and – and got an OPI yeah. and called it back. Then Ramsey got hit and hurt on the next play. Something like that. Next, right within the next couple plays. You had in that game against the Bears three catches for 34 yards, and I do remember the play you're talking about because you, you guys ended up kicking a field goal. But you know what? I don't, I don't know that we've ever had, given how much time we've done together on the air and off it, I don't know – that I've ever spent much time talking to you about Patrick Ramsey. I mean, we know what he was like with Spurrier. You know, they never protected him, and so he got the shit kicked out of him. But you loved Brunel. Santana loved Brunel. Everybody loved Brunel who played for him. And he was your guy, and you guys loved him. What did you think of Patrick Ramsey and Gibbs' decision loved, to start him? I loved R- Ramsey. I thought he was going to absolutely be the dude. I remember that off season. We played golf. Me, Pat, Patrick, and I played golf three to four times a week. You wait, not because we were trying, not because we were trying to bond. We got along with each other well and played golf like daily. You, Pat, and who else did you say? Mostly me and just Patrick. Oh, okay. Me and Ramsey played golf. Good golfer. Finds a lot of balls. He he was. Here's my ball. Oh, here's my ball. <laughs> really? He, is a, he 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 had taken up golf later. Uh huh. If I remember right, his brother-in-law or someone was a pro, and he became very good, very fast at golf. He was a good golfer. He is a good. I'm sure he's probably close to a scratch golfer right now. And I'm I'm kidding about the ball thing, although that did ever ha- it happens to everyone, especially when we're all young. Look, I got it. Don't worry. Don't you don't need to look. You don't need to come over here. I found it. Wait a minute. It looked like you hooked one, you know, on over the fence and onto the road. Must I have did. hit a no, tree. Must have hit a tree and kicked out. Well, I'm over on the other side of the road, and I also have a black four. <laughs> so I'll just put it in my bag. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. I'll tell you what. Seriously, I don't think I've ever been that guy. I'm not trying oh, to give I've myself credit, and I don't think you've ever. I've done it. You've you've done the oh I just found it maybe when I was younger, but when I when I became when when golf became a passion and I understood a lot of what is expected from you know golf and the you know the honor system in a lot of ways I mean I'm I'm not kicking balls over in the fairway. Uh, well, that's not true. Of course, when you're not playing competitively and you're not playing for money or you're not playing, you know, you'll roll the ball over and give yourself a better lie, of course. But I'm talking about out 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 and out cheating. You don't out and out cheat. No, I don't. I, I would not do that especially if we were counting. And the other thing is if you and I were playing together. 
and there's a ball on the edge. I'm telling you to just put the ball where you can hit it. Of course, yes, yeah, no, no. Roll like, it I, like I'm cheating. I'm cheating just the same for you as I am for me in that instance where it's not really a serious round. That's not let's what we're talking play. about, though. You were let's say, just play. Yeah, you, you, we're not. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the ball ends up well, like in this trench with this terrible line. You're like, take it out of there. Give yourself a lie. Right. You're saying that. Just give yourself a lie. You're saying, oh. I found it. No, no, no. I found my first one. I found the first one that I hit that looked like it was going way over that building and into the pool. But no, it hit off the building and it's right here, right on the edge of the fairway. Look at this. <laughs> it's actually a ruling that I, I, I hate in golf, in the lost ball ruling. And, and you're supposed to go back and re tee. Yeah. Oh, we don't, yeah. Um, La- instead of just lateral. taking them playable. Lateral, yeah. And, and and I hate I hate that you have to retee if you don't find your ball because if we're playing in any semblance of a tournament like a pro golfer would play that ball's found there's people on the fairways there are people out there they don't lose balls right they find the ball every time like the ball's there I know I know the ball's in here okay we hit the ball over here in the sagebrush. My friend hit one. We actually played. We were playing in a tournament this weekend. It was 18. We were, we were all out of the tournament. He hit one, and it bounced into a pine tree. And it, it, we all watched it bounce in the pine tree. I couldn't find it in the pine tree. It stayed in the tree. Well, you know the ball's in the tree. Is it really a lost ball? No, but can I just tell you that's interesting that you had that. How did you resolve it? You just told how – did, how, how was it resolved? Did he have to go back and re-tee? I think he took a two-stroke. I think you can take a two-stroke penalty, right? I don't know. Honestly, there's I don't. unplayable, and then there's. I don't. I'm not like so up on the rules. He we he counted it, but he didn't care. We, it, the, the scores didn't matter, so it, it wasn't important. But it's an interesting one. If you're in it or trying to finish a round or trying to score. And we can't find a ball that everyone watched go into a certain area. Right. We all know it's there. Can Did I Groundhog st- steal it? Well, let me just tell you. Something happened to me on Sunday morning playing that has never happened to me. Ever. <clears throat> you, know, you know my golf course. You know 17. The hole where you either – it gives you a chance from certainly the member tees or the blues – for people like you to drive the green. But most hit it, you know, you hit it to that landing area to the end, and then you only have as a second shot a hundred or less to the green. You know, you know my number 17 at my course. Yeah, it's 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 a risk reward hole. So I hit perfect, you know, rescue 210 yards to the landing area and then took my 56 out and hit a perfect shot up onto the green. And and you know that green a little bit where you've got to get it up in the air and it's got to land, you know, softly or it's going to go to the back of the green and off the green. Well, I hit the perfect shot. Like I got it way up and and it cleared, you know, the 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 front and it landed somewhere on the green. Well, we get up there and there's no ball on the green. There's no ball in the cup. There's no ball off the green. There's no ball anywhere. It's not anywhere to be found. 
and everybody saw the shot. So, you know, the the caddies and the other three guys I was playing with, the, no, no, what happened here? It's, did it get caught up in the rough here before it got to the green? Nope. Checked everywhere there. Checked in the trap below. Maybe it rolled back and we didn't see it roll. Nope. And so the caddy said he thinks, because it happened to him a few weeks ago, he thinks a bird came down, picked up the ball, and took off with the took off with the golf ball. <laughs> so it was one of those where it, it, there was no doubt the ball should have been on the green. You know, it's not like ah, it might be on the green, might be off it. You know, could have caught that. It, no, no, no. It was going to be on the green. And the reason people are saying, well, why didn't you see it on the green? Because it's an elevated green. I should have described that. And you can't see the green from below where you're hitting the shot. Or the birds attacking the ball on the green. And so, uh, you know. Got to be a fairly big it was, bird. It was a big hole in the match that we were playing. And so the guys on the other team, their friends, they just said, you just drop one and putt there. But then I felt like, well, shit. What if it goes in? I mean, and it's a birdie. It's not like I missed the putt. We put it for about, I thought walking up there, it would be about eight to 10 feet from the cup. I really did. I thought it was like the, the kind of shot that usually ends up eight to 10 feet. So I, we put it to 15 feet and I putted and missed, just barely missed the putt. And so I ended up with a four, which is probably what I would have gotten anyway. But that's never, people talk about that happening all the time. Yeah, I couldn't find my ball. It should have been right there on the green. And usually you just say, yeah, right. Uh, but I, but What's this. What's crazy is in that instance, I'd rather just give you the four. Before, like, no ball on the green. Let's just assume two putt. You're not beating with a birdie with no ball on the green. I know. Let's just assume, two, let's just assume the two putt. <laughs> or uh, let's go ahead and if I really wanted you to play it out, I'd say, well, it's not on the green. You chip it on. Try to get up and down. It's hard to just put somewhere on the green. Well, but yeah, but but uh, but you know the thing is, it it wasn't just me that saw the shot. Everybody saw the shot, and everybody. And by the way, when when it everybody when I hit the shot said, "Ooh, that's going to be tight. That's going to be really close." You know, like have you ever once though ever in a in a watching golf on television heard the announcer say, "Oh my God, a bird just swooped down and (laughs) took the ball." No. Never. No. It's never happened. Oh, no, it hasn't. I, it's some, I don't think a like bird... It could have been like a little kid. It could have been a kid messing around. No, there was nobody up. There's no kids there. I guess, you know, it could have been a fox. You know, there there are definite... There are foxes yeah, that, out there. Uh, um, yes, it could have been a raccoon. I think it more likely would have been a fox because they move much faster. I'm not sure you're really aware of the fox raccoon movement and, and the diversities in the two. I'm not. Uh, true. I, I think it would have more likely been a raccoon because I just don't see a fox being interested in the golf ball. Where a raccoon might have said, ooh, a shiny white ball. Well, you would know you had a raccoon as a pet. It's wild. I had a. I had the worst thing. I, I have a thing in golf that is now my, my least favorite thing. It's, it hasn't happened in about eight years. Did you play? You played on my course, right? You played out. We played out here. Yeah. You mean in Virginia? Did we play golf? No, we didn't play golf in Wyoming. No. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, there's a 185-yard par three that I hit a perfect shot. I mean, off the club is so good, so pure. It lands 
feet behind the pin, rolls backwards and lips out. Oh. Have you had one? And it was in the it was it was in tournament play. Have you had so one? So we're all I mean it no, never even seen one. And I am now to the point where I would rather shank it and miss the green than watch it hit the fucking cup and lip out. <laughs> uh it's amazing that um, it was in it like how it doesn't just find a way to get into the hole in that instance is beyond me. I'm forty one years old. I've played a lot of golf. A lot of golf. I've I've played a lot of golf with good golfers. Um I've never seen one. I've seen three. Two in the groups that I was playing in and one on another hole watching the next hole. So I've seen three. I've never had one. And um, I think I've told you this before. My father, who is 85 years old, he has nine. He has nine. That's stupid. And he had his ninth last year. <laughs> that's, that's stupid and it's completely unfair. <laughs> well, and I don't like well, that. Unlike me, he's actually, me uh, unlike me, he's actually th- his entire life been a very good golfer. Um, but, it doesn't, but, but it doesn't matter. There's a lot of luck involved, too. Although, clearly, if you're a better golfer, you're going to have more opportunities than if you're a bad golfer. Um, mm-hmm. Well, this mine's one of those instances where you get one mile an hour difference in the wind. Right. It, uh, it maybe not even that, you know. It it was so perfect. It hit two feet behind the cup on a on a into the uphill slope and just trickled right to the hole and whipped out. All right, nobody. It's wants been to... about seven or eight years since I've had one that close. Yeah, I've had I had one. La- in the spring, that was literally six inches. I think I already told you about that one. Yeah. Um, it was six inches, and it was, I mean, maybe it was a foot. Um, and after the fact, after several times telling the story, it's six inches. By the way, golf stories, enough. We're done. I, enough. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. So before we get to what you've worked on, I just want you to give an overview of what you've watched and what you think of the team so far. The game film I watched this morning is the first football game I've watched this year. You haven't been you haven't bet on any games yet this year? Not yet, no. Okay. You haven't watched any we football had, in the first two weeks. Not college, not pro. I, that, that's not necessarily one hundred percent true. Like at the golf course we sat and the Bills Raiders game was on and it wasn't like I was intently watching it. There's been a game on Two Sundays ago, we it was still my daughter's birthday, right? And we went to breakfast or brunch, and there was a game on, and I watched a game for like the Bengals Browns. Right. I watched that for a little bit, but in terms of actually sitting down and watching a game, I have not watched a game yet this year. I am excited to sit down and watch football as the year progresses. It's just it's one of those deals for me right now where I got six weeks left of nice weather. And our kids are young, and they like to do things on the weekend. Of course. And so it just it's Sunday is not has not been an available day to just park it in front of the TV and and watch a football game. And it's even it's a little bit. I love the time frame being two hours different here, where I can watch the late games and I can watch, but it does make the four o'clock game challenging. Uh, 
like, we're doing stuff at two in the afternoon when that game starts. Right. So I just, I am going to sit down and watch football as the year goes on, but this is the first real sit down and watch, but spent probably three, three and a half hours this morning just going through the game film. All right. So before you get to your overall reaction to the Denver game, just tell everybody that you, I mean, everybody wanted you to go to the Denver game on Sunday. I have, I did have a couple friends who wanted me to go. Oh, I thought when you, when I talked to you last week, you were saying that people were reaching out to you, including from the team to see if you wanted to go. I thought that's what you said to me. Oh, no, no. no. Oh, okay. People, friends in Colorado oh, from Wyoming. It. All right. I misunderstood. Oh, speaking of Wyoming, I did actually bet, I did win money on the Wyoming-Texas game. Yeah. Want to know why I won money on the Wyoming-Texas game? I didn't really even know what they were doing, what the spread was, but Wyoming started a backup quarterback, and the spread was only 28, and Texas had beat Bama, and every single person is a Wyoming fan at our golf course thinks that Texas is going to steamroll <laughs> so you took Wyoming like, in the points, and it was like thirty, took right? Wyoming in the points. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, I, I think I took it at twenty-eight and a half, and ended up going to thirty. You know, it was ten to ten did, going into I did, the fourth I quarter. I did bet on that game, and I, I really. What's funny is I did. I bet with friends. Like I, I think I had three or four between fifty and hundred dollar bets around the course, and I would have taken it at thousand. <laughs> well, it was it was without knowing anything about Wyoming and very little about Texas. Just using the Kevin Sheehan theory of lines and how people react to lines, it was the biggest lock of locks. Well, it's it wasn't even close either. I mean, they it was ten to ten going into the fourth quarter. They ended up scoring twenty one unanswered, and they won thirty one to ten. But I mean, it should have been thirty one seventeen too. Wyoming scored late, I think, okay. or had a chance to score later. They had a penalty or something. By the way, speaking of that, real quickly, and we will get back to this football team. I know you don't know anything about this, although you've already said I've watched nothing and now you've watched several things, including you had a bet on the Wyoming game. So on Sunday, the 49ers played the Rams. The 49ers were seven and a half point favorites. I actually gave the Rams out for the second straight week as part of the smell test. Um, They were a winner in week one outright plus five against Seattle, and then they were plus seven and a half against the Rams. Well, it was 30-20 to 20 with four seconds to go in the game. And Sean kicked a field goal to cover. Now, I have not yet heard if anybody's asked him about that and why with four... Look, if there's eight seconds to go, you know, it's your only chance. Or 20 seconds to go or 30 seconds to go, you kick that field goal, get it to seven, and try to recover the onside kick and have a Hail Mary or whatever. But with four seconds to go in the game, all right, he sends his field goal team out there uh, on the last play of the game and has his kicker kick a 38-yard field goal for the cover. <laughs> do you, do you th- does Sean pay attention to that stuff? I would in no way put it past him, but I doubt it. I, I'm sure he knows what the line is. I mean, look, I guess a 38-yarder, it's possible the ball could get through the uprights in three seconds and there could be one second left, and then you kick an onside kick, you recover it, and there's some sort of penalty, so you get an untimed down. You know, you could explain it that way because some field goals, short field goals, are three-second plays. 
But pretty much you had to assume that with four seconds to go, that that was going to be the final play of the game. And so you were going to lose regardless. It was impossible to win. So why not just throw one into the end zone? I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to get his guy hurt. Maybe he wanted his field goal kicker to get some confidence. Who knows? I mean, the, who knows? It's benign in terms of the decision for the outcome of the game. Right. But everybody I'm now sure anybody knows. That has, I'm sure everybody betting on the game is like, what, what is he doing? <laughs> Why is he doing this? No. Don't do this. You know, you... You love Sean, and you, you know, I know this will be a team when you start paying attention to football again, you'll start paying attention to him. They're actually one and one. They're playing much better than most people thought. Well, they're the youngest team ever in the league, and I know, I know that because I've talked to Sean a lot about the team. But there's a receiver that they drafted in the fifth round. His name's Puka Nakua. All right, so I'm assuming he's Samoan. He played at BYU. Cooley, in the first two games... He has 25 receptions. He had 10 catches in the opener, and he had 15 catches last weekend. That's got to be a rookie record for the first two games. Oh, it has to be. There's no chance. It it has to be. I mean, how many receivers have caught 25 balls at any point during their career in two straight games? He was targeted 35 times in the two games. Cooper Cup is hurt. So he's basically playing the Cooper Cup role. But Mm -hmm. for a guy – now, apparently he had a great senior um, uh, week in Mobile, and he's been injured here and there during his career. And so it's possible had he been healthy, he would have been drafted higher. Still, uh, Sean, man, he, he gets people open, and Matt Stafford's healthy again. And that's the big difference with that team. All right. Uh, Big picture takeaway from watching Washington beat Denver 35 to 33 before we get to your film breakdown is what? It's a team that definitely has a chance to, to win a lot of football games. I, I don't know what Denver is exactly. I know Arizona's not great, but the, the, it's an offense that operates. Like They're going to be able to score points. This quarterback played, I thought, really, really well. And I thought the enemy did a really good job and I can't imagine that the defense won't find a way to be better, although it was a big problem throughout the game. <laughs> Just the inability to stop big plays and and shut the Broncos down. But to me, it's it, with, with the defensive line that they have, there should be so many things they can be able to do in the back end. I think it was an impressive win. It was a really, really impressive performance by the quarterback. I think the offensive coordinator has got some stuff to him, and we'll talk a lot about that. And to me, it looks like a team that plays with a lot of confidence. I also think they play, especially on offense, they played with really uh, with a lot of speed. They, they really played played with speed for the first time I've seen in a while, and it resembled some of what Kansas City's looked like. You know, when I watched Kansas City play over the last few years, they play fast. So I, I, I thought it was a team that played fast. And if they play a little bit better defensively, but and Russ played well, you know, Russ, Russ played well. But yeah, it, it's a team. The big picture takeaway is, I would wholeheartedly believe in this team after two games, knowing that it's not fake. I, what I saw wasn't wasn't a wasn't a fake game. You know, it wasn't a. I don't think it was a lucky game. 
I thought they played well. Um, they were down 21-3 to in the game, too. I mean, they were down 21-3 and on the verge of potentially going down more before, and maybe you'll get to this, the Jamin Davis forced fumble, which completely flipped the game from that point forward. Well, I mean, we can – this is crazy. Okay, we'll get to that right now because this was funny that I did this today. So you always liked when I said Joe Gibbs talking about getting them shuffling their papers. Yeah, tell everybody right, what, tell everybody what that means. Okay, so anytime that you're frustrating somebody else or you, like an offense is, is driving, you can't stop them. Joe would really say, "Man, we got them, we got them shuffling their papers." <laughs> like, yeah, going through their notes trying to figure out how to stop somebody. Yeah, they're like, "Man, they're shuffling their papers." Um, I wrote Sean Payton had him shuffling early in this game. Yep. Then I write 52 sack fumble after Sean Payton had them shuffling their paper. <laughs> it was the next play. Yeah. It was literally the next play. Yeah. They couldn't stop him at all. Marvin Mims Jr. was like the all-star of all-stars in the first half of this game. But two big, two big receptions, a punt return for like 50-some yards. 19 is pretty good for Denver. I wonder who that is. It's... Yeah, they I, couldn't. They couldn't shut. I mean, and it was it was literally Russ do whatever you want, take shots down the field, um, run the ball when you want to run the ball. It it was awesome as far as Denver's offense. Three drives, two hundred and twenty six yards, twenty one points in seventeen plays, and I tweeted out: Sean Payton is two to three steps ahead right now of whatever Del Rio is doing. But after that play, it completely turned the other way, and the defense started to dominate them. Which, by the way, you didn't see the Arizona game. They were losing in the Arizona game, too, and the defense completely turned the game around with a Montez Sweat sack force fumble, and they ended up taking the lead on that play, and they were lights out the rest of the way. Arizona couldn't do anything. Um but yeah, no, but you, I mean, just defensively, you go through the first couple drives and it's like first couple drives, second level tackling is not good. Uh, contain and rush lanes, not good. Like the first pitch on the drive, Russell Wilson still running zone read. Right. Like, God, what are we doing? Like 57, no eyes whatsoever. Cody, right. Like just Cody Barton. Yeah. Lost as far as eyes and vision, but if you watch that zone read, watch Kendall Fuller. He literally trails all the way in with the receiver who's cracking, never sees it, and Russ out leverages both of them. It's like, come on, man. Between Barton and Van Fuller, you're like, what is going on? They come back, they throw a pitch left, Chase Young's just getting pinned completely. They motion this to, to Chase Young on that pitch. You can clearly see and define the tight end coming in motion. It is going to crack down on Chase. It's like, guy, you got to play out into that a little bit. I mean, maybe he's got some contained help, but Denver has leverage if he doesn't play out and gets pinned down. You're talking about on that like, touchdown, well, that that pitch sweep for the touchdown, where the yeah, where he's completely sucked in yeah. inside and has no contain. I, I mean, and that's yeah, exactly, and that's the drive where they also had a quick fly sweep, and Jamin Davis is still chasing dive and for <laughs> fly sweeps eight yards outside. Like, wow. Um, Denver really has them in, in some trouble. 
you know, second drive, they actually hit Russ. I thought, I think it's so tough. It was it Montez Sweat that had the illegal hands of the helmet or hit him in the head. Jamin Davis. Was it on, It was Davis Sweat hit him in the head too. But it's hard with that. We're short, and you're trying to get your hands up to block the ball. Now they're going to call it, and it, but it's tough because you're trying to get your hands up. Once you get close to him, it's almost like you can't get up to bat the ball because you can hit him right in the head. Right. And then the next play, they um, came on the two on the two corners blitzing. Right. By the way, did you hear Archuleta? Well, you didn't. You watched the all twenty-two. Archuleta basically called it. He said, "Corners are coming. They got to take a shot." And Mims will be open. Well, they are, and the, and the thing was, is they take they take the shot, but it's just shit coverage in the back end of it. Yeah, um, they're basically playing a fire zone behind it with two safeties, and Mims Junior is running this deep over, and I mean deep over, not at twenty yards, but to the end zone. And on the other side, I can't remember the receiver's name is running a, a bend corner, and they're playing this fire zone with you got two safeties, so you got Danny Johnson who is playing two Mims' side. And he's dropping into this two zone, and Mims is the only vertical threat to his side at all. Only vertical threat. He's dropping seven yards outside of him to the to the sideline. Like, who are you going to cover out there? There's nobody else out there. Now, it's not exclusively his fault because Derek Forrest gets held by the underneath corner out, and Mims ends up being in Forrest zone in the two-fire zone. He ends up being on Forrest side. Forrest has to see that from the other side of the field. But you immediately see Johnson look at the Forrest. He's like, where are you? (laughs) For me, it's like, yeah, but you had nothing else, Johnson. You should at least cut it. It should have been doubled. And then the throw that's really on that play should have been tough to defend is the deep corner that you got to have underneath coverage drop into to turn down. It It was perfect timing play call, but bad safety play. Right. And then you get the, the, the third and five. And who's 19? Uh, 19? Or uh, 13? Who's the corner? Oh, it's Emmanuel, Emmanuel Forbes. Forbes. Yeah, Forbes. The, the third and five of Emmanuel Forbes is sitting there kind of squatting on third and five, and he just gets run by. Yeah. The, other, a, the, the, other, the other deep throw. ball from Mims, you mean? To Mims. Yeah. yeah. That, that, and that was, that was a hell of a throw. Yeah. And – you're like, wow, can they stop them? They figured it out, though. They figured it out. All right. Uh, by the way, before we – we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll get the film breakdown in and, and more detail. But I think I asked Smoot this earlier this week. You know, r- most games actually don't get decided by one play. It's like four or five or six plays that are huge plays. If Jamin Davis doesn't strip sack and force that fumble, it's going to be twenty-four to three or twenty-eight to three. You're probably not coming back from that. I mean that that that's the play in the game. And maybe watching the all twenty-two, you don't feel it as much. But I, I mean, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. They could not stop them. They had just returned a punt nearly fifty yards. And here they go. They're they're in the midst of doing it again. And Davis, who by the way, Cooley is an athlete. He can really run. He makes he makes the play that keeps him in the game. It keeps him from getting completely blown out. No, he absolutely does. The other part of this that, you, like, if you go back and really remember this game, is Williams has got a seven yard run for a first down on second and five, and they call offensive holding. Yeah, they did, which sets him to a second and fifteen, which. 
in rhythm on first and ten, second and five, Denver was gashing Washington. And they get that hold penalty. Huge. On Powers, I think. And that was that was huge to put Seattle into the situation. Seattle, I think of Russell Wilson. Yeah. To put Denver into the situation where you can go get that sack fumble. Because I don't know if they created on a first and ten. Well, at that point in the game. Well, adding to that is you still have to take advantage of the play that keeps you in the game and the Jamin Davis play keeps you in the game. Because even if they punt on that drive, they're burning two more minutes or another minute and a half and they're going to take over deep in their own territory and they've gone back-to-back three-and-out punts down 21-3. But Washington, but Hal gets sacked on a second and 11. It's going to be third and 20 and he got face-masked on the next drive. So they may have been on the verge of punting it back down 21-3 and really looking at 21-3 at halftime or worse, but that face mask kept, kept that drive going and they ended up scoring and, you know, that you know, the rest is, is history after that, you know, Davis play, the face mask, and the touchdown. All right, let's get to everything that you prepped for everybody. We will do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Washington, looking for the ultimate outdoor destination to watch upcoming games? Well, look no further than the bullpen. Yeah, that bullpen, the one right next to Nats Park in the heart of Navy Yard. Beautiful fall weather weekends coming up. 
And if you want to go outside and hang out with friends and drink beers and watch football, the bullpen is your go-to spot. Admission's absolutely free. Of course, it's famous for being the spot for baseball fans, but this year they're bringing you all the NFL and college football action you can handle. So get your guys together, wear your team colors, and head on over to the bullpen. They've got the games, the drinks, and the energy to make every moment unforgettable. Visit them today at thebullpendc.com to see the game schedule. The bullpen, guys, is great. Love that spot. Most of you know it, certainly for baseball games, uh, but it's a great spot if you've got a bunch of guys together and you want to watch football outside on a beautiful fall weekend. All right, Christopher, what do you got? Have a few more thoughts on defense since I watched the entire thing. Okay. But after the really the shit show of the first half that, like said, like, very fortunate to get the sack fumble. They come back in the second half and played a, a much better game. You know, early in the second or the third quarter, Payne shows up. He's got a sack on a run action play, and he's got a tackle for loss. Forbes gets a pick on what looks like it should have been a back shoulder throw, but he really was a back shoulder throw to Forbes. Chase Young comes up with a big sack in the red zone. They make a stand when it's 35-24 to hold him to three, which ended up being huge in that game because Denver was really driving the ball. And I thought really came up and played big. You know, it's amazing what Russell Wilson can do with 48 seconds, though. (laughs) Even at that, and this is where you learn quick as a rookie. What is there, have nine seconds left, something like that? before they throw the ball 15 yards and get out of bounds? Yep. There is one thing that Denver is trying to do in that position, and that's to throw the ball somewhere between 8 and 20 yards to the sideline. Emmanuel Forbes is lined up outside of a fairly tight split receiver. He cannot get outside of him to make that catch to allow any Hail Mary throw. The game is literally over at that point. Before the nine-second play or whatever, however much time. Nine seconds. You're you're talking about the throw to Cortland Sutton for 16 yards that gives them the chance to throw the Hail Mary. Understandable because you're a rookie. But there is one conversation that we're having before that play. They cannot get out of bounds. You cannot give them an easy four-second, 16-yard play. You cannot. There's, the game's over if they don't do that. I mean, the Hail Mary is an unbelievably lucky play, right? It's bobbled around three times, and out of nowhere, it gets bobbled backwards, and we're making a play. Sometimes I think they should just throw those up more. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go, go help Mary. Hey, second eight, what do you want to do? Come here. <laughs> well, you're, you're going to get to Hal and everything, but real quickly, because I, I mentioned this yesterday, but for those that missed it, a lot of people think that Cortland Sutton didn't make that catch on the sideline and that the Hail Mary play shouldn't have ever happened. Let me just repeat, they did review it and it was confirmed they didn't stand they didn't they didn't stand on the call in the field they confirmed and if you watch it step for step on the TV copy it's really really hard to overturn 
with any sort of visual proof. It looks like the ball is in his hands with that right foot just still barely on the ground, and he definitely toe taps and scrapes the grass with the left hand. And the bottom line is there's no evidence that he doesn't go to the ground maintaining control. So there are a lot of people that thought that that play was clearly a play that was not a catch, and they didn't review it. They did review it, and they confirmed the call on the field. All right, continue. Yeah, I didn't see it on the TV copy, but it sure looks good on the film version. Yeah. All right. So Sam Hill, what? He is, he's a stud. Right. Here's my here's my overall thoughts on Sam Hill. Okay. He had great poise in the pocket. He had a ton of courage in the pocket and stood there and made big throws and got hit in the face. And he's not afraid. He and he stayed in the pocket more than a lot of rookie quarterbacks will stay in the pocket with pressure. He got through progressions. I thought he was good with his eyes. I thought he was good with his vision down the field. And I thought he was damn accurate, Kev. And you really watch this game, some of the throws he made, and more, most of the throws he made were incredibly well-placed, catchable balls into tight windows. I thought he was really accurate. I was impressed. I'm sure you were. Yeah, I was very impressed with him on Sunday. Very. I mean, you didn't see the game last week. Held on to it a long time on a lot of sacks. Got sacked six times. Um, had a bunch of balls deflected. Made some big-time throws, though, but it was not the performance he had on Sunday. Sunday was – I mean, I gave him an I gave him an A-. I thought he was every bit of an A, somewhere around A, A-. No, you go – I mean, go through I, – I really almost have to go through the game with you. Please. Since I didn't consolidate – Early big throw to Dotson hanging in the pocket on a third down. Yep. Awesome. Early First, first drive. Um, smart on a check down with, in a run action situation where you don't have what you like. You go ahead and throw the check down. Great boot on the run throw out to the right. I thought that was it. To De'Ami Brown made a great throw there. Um, timing throughout consistently. I, he's got a great drive on the ball. Like He threw an out route out to his left in the second drive of the game. I mean, he's, he can drive the ball from hash to sideline. He's got some velocity on it. Like, it looks like he drives it. And I also love that it's not happy feet back there. It's set plant throw with a good release. He can avoid sacks. He's able to run around, to move, to make plays back there. He's not trying to scramble, but he can. He hits Logan Thomas on a seam ball in the in a honey hole in cover two, taking a huge hit. It was it was awesome watching him just operate. You know, in the first half, the, some of the negatives. You know, I thought he missed Doxson on a third and five to end the first drive. Dotson was running a choice route on on the left, and he ends up outbreaking. I think Hal was expecting an in break there, but. He, when you're working a, a choice route, and it was, I'm sure it was, you, they they could confirm it. But if it was a true out, he would have sat on it. You're dead if you do if you don't throw the choice. It's choice check down. You can't go anywhere else. 
and he just came off it too early. Um, that that's not sometimes that, that's not the one he got sacked on. The next play he was sacked on. You're talking about the second and five. Uh, it's the third and five. I think. Okay, he so that, on. I think so he, he, oh, yeah. so he took the sack on that one. Him. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, but once you come off that that route, there's you have you have that to maybe check down. There's nothing else to go. There's not another progression that you're going to work. That's a cut the field in half play. Okay, I'm working this out. He doesn't even know what happened on the other seven field. Right. You're one man showing it, and it was a good route. I thought Dotson won. I thought he took a little bit longer than I'd have liked him to take, and I think he could have taken the middle of the field. And I think that's where I, Hal missed it. I, I think if he, those choice routes, uh, we, we ran them uh, with Joe Gibbs. Called it dodge. I don't know why they call it dodge, because you're dodging defense, maybe. Um, I've ran it all the way through. Every coach that I've been with has, has ran, besides Jim Zorn, has run the choice route. It, it, it's an outbreak at five yards, or it's an inside post break, a quick post, like a very quick post, five yards to the, to the post. You're really not breaking it flat in. Or you turn around and sit down. I think if he breaks to the post, Dotson, I think he's got something. Still wins. Right. Um, By the way, he was lucky to hold on to the ball on that on the sack. That was Randy Gregory. Who's you're very lucky to hold on to that ball. There's but a no good question. job, but a great job to hold on to it. Yeah, so good. It's awesome. C- continue. Thought he could have climbed the pocket a little bit better. He took a sack on the second drive. Um, he's trying to work quick game crossers and. 72 gets beat on the edge. Leno. But you're expecting to block him with the quarterback stepping up to five or six yards. And so he's trying to run him around the edge and he runs him into Howell. You just got to climb that a little bit better. Uh, third and 15, he made a really risky throw to Dotson. And this is kind of one of my only negatives throughout the game, the, this idea. He's really trying. He had, on, he had on the outside kind of a bunch set. He had a corner and go, like a corner takeoff. And then Dotson's running a bended inside like a banana, the John Gruden Y banana, but it would have been Z banana or whatever. And then he's got the running back out to the flat. Well, the, it's cover three, and the, the flat defenders dropped to 14 yards. You, you can't throw the banana. It should have been a pick. It, you just you got to throw the short one, and his, his back might have a chance. Sometimes you got to give the back a chance, especially early in ballgames. Right. You're talking about Gibson. Gibson was open on that one. Yeah, he's wide on open. The check down. I mean, wide open, yeah. Uh, um, again, the check down. The third, the drive, third drive, the third and seven, he misses uh, Dotson on a dig. It's, it's, but you miss it, just throw the swing to the back. Don't panic, you know. Boom, what's next? Like it, he turned it down. I thought it was there, but you turn like just throw the, just throw the check down. Throw the swing. See what we can get. We might get it. There's a lot of third down sixes, sevens, tens that I caught the ball at two yards and, and made one dude miss. Uh, another third and seven on the fourth drive. And these are all very close play. Like, this isn't bad ball that we're talking about here. Third and seven on the fourth drive. He misses Terry running a corner route or an out route. Right. Well, he Terry gets hemmed up at the top of that route and comes out of that route way slower than I would have expected and I'm sure Hal would have expected. He put it where he thought Terry was going to be. Well, that wasn't a bad ball. Got it. Yeah, because I, I, I wrote down something. that that was an inaccurate throw, but you're saying Terry should have been there. He threw it to the right spot. If Yeah, if you watch it again, Terry's is 
like five stutters out of the break, getting caught up with the DB. Got I don't. And that's a tough one to know. It's going to take him an extra, even if we're taking, talking about an extra quarter of a second or half second. It changes where he thinks he's going to be. So, like, it's a miss, but I don't think it's. I don't think we're talking about bad ball. Um, the next drive, what they they scored right before the half, right? They, they scored, scored before the half. They scored a touchdown and got the two point conversion. No, I and, got, I got yeah, half time marked here. And then they scored again. Um, second, field goal. Yeah. Second twenty it throws a dig to Terry in the middle of the field. Big time throw. That I wrote great poise in the pocket here. Um, down on the goal line, he had one batted. The third and goal, they got no chance. I don't like that rub route concept where you're throwing to Logan Thomas at two yards. Unless he's going to be wide, like if he's not wide open, we're getting tackled on the two. Cooley, I th- I, hate I hated it. I hated that call too. It was one of the only calls of the game that I didn't like from Bienemy because I thought he called a great game. But I think that's an RPO, I, and I think he should have kept it. It's not an RPO. Are you sure? Look at it's the a, look at the lineman. Old school. It is old school. Bill Walsh, West Coast. Everyone in the world runs it. I think it's Dotson to that side. You're going to run five yards vertical with the inside receiver who's trying to create a pick, and you're trying to pick that defender. And you're, you're essentially your job is try to make sure he goes over the top of you so he's got to rally and bubble over the top, and you get that flat route where you can just turn and run and extend. Let's just well, then, then they got, we then they got linemen downfield illegally. Did they? Well, if they called it RPO, they called it RPO. I, I, like, that's fine. But if not, that ball still – that's – that's a ball that's going to be out in two seconds, one way or another. Right. You're throwing the five yard stick, or you're throwing the flat right now. What's the other? So specifically, we're talking about the third and goal before they go for the fourth and goal, and he throws the great ball to Logan Thomas when Thomas gets knocked out um, by Kareem Jackson. The third and goal from the four um, is the throw. I think it's an RPO. You think it's whatever, but. Wh- there's enough- I didn't watch close enough to see if they're run- trying to attempt to run the ball. I saw the play. I assumed they were running a passing play. I- we could go look at it. Again. But there's another part of this that I didn't like that you haven't mentioned yet. But you- I want to ma- let you finish why you didn't like this call. Well, what I in- maybe it is an RPO because I'm thinking on the backside of it, they just ran two sit routes on the goal line. Um, I-, I think it's an RPO because the linemen are blocking downfield. Yeah, but it, to me, it's a tough. Like, it could be okay. Whatever. You're hoping for leverage, but you're trying to see where that pick occurs. Like, you got to. You're not seeing where the pick occurs, and and then deciding to hand the ball off. You got to hand the ball off before that pick really occurs. Right. What I don't like about that play is, even if it gets slightly covered on a on the three two and a half yard line, the the tight end or the flat route runner can still turn and at least reach the ball out of the goal line. From the four, if it gets covered, it's hard to get four yards on a flat running that running towards the sideline, directly towards the sideline, and get those four yards. Right. I also have a pet peeve with those routes, where I would teach it that your tight end starts and takes a direct angle at about a quarter of a yard into the end zone, a foot into the end zone. But what's hard to do. If you don't take a what would you call a higher angle into the end zone, the ball always flattens you out and brings you back downhill. Yeah. So if you start to flatten yourself out, the ball will flatten you further, and he's going to catch that ball at about a yard and a half. He can reach it out a yard to 
it's a tough call on a on a on the four yard line to get in. The other reason I didn't like this is because Sam's been in the first game, the two touchdowns they scored were him off schedule in the red zone inside the five yard line or inside the six yard line making a throw to Brian Robinson Jr. off schedule, scrambling, and scrambling it in for a touchdown. And I want to give him a chance to be off schedule and make a play here, and that play call doesn't give him that chance. Well, it does. He's going to scramble. Well, if it's an RPO, he's, he's either handing it to Gibson or he's, or he's making the quick throw on the out to Logan. I mean, he could turn and scramble, but it's not a drop back. Yeah. Anyway, what uh, about what about the next play? I would doubt that's an RPO call on the goal line. Okay. What about the next? What about the next play? Fourth and goal. They go. What for an it the absolute perfect ball. Yep. On the next play to Logan Thomas. I, I mean, it, you're going to take a hit there if you're Logan Thomas. You know that. And that ball has got to be, he had to have enough elevation to clear the linebacker or the underneath coverage. It's a tight, tight window throw. He put it in the only place. I thought he caught it. What do you mean you think he caught it? It was perfect. He he did catch it. What? Did they go for two the next play then? Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Oh, God, that's so funny. Yeah, no, it was a touchdown. And then they went for two because of the penalty. Yeah, Robinson ran it in. They, 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 they had put the penalty the with, put okay. it on the one. That's, well, that's why it said one. Ah. I, 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 I actually saw the hit on the highlight, and I, I, I remembered he caught it, and I was watching it. Then I was like, why does it say first and one? <laughs> right, got on it. On the side. Right. That, that, that's where I, I – it, it's, it's, a, it's a horseshit hit. Yeah. We're at the point in the league where we understand that's not – that's not available. I don't. I don't care if it's in the. You cannot. I'm, I see that he's trying to turn his shoulder and use his shoulder, but you can't use your shoulder and elevate to the shoulder going up into the head. Right. Like even if you're using your shoulder, it's impossible to not have helmet contact. And so you're going to have helmet contact if you go upward towards the head. It's a. It's a. I mean, the dude has gotten fined the week before. They. It's it's dog shit. You can't do that. Yep. Part of the league. Part of the rules. It's very clear and defined. I said earlier, I don't know if I like the Jamie Davis hands of Wilson's head and some of the quarterback stuff, and I don't like some of the calls, but that is that penalty is getting called in 2004. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, that this is, yeah, this is really, I mean, Kareem Jackson has to know. By the way, I'm surprised he didn't get suspended. In, in this day and age, he did not. Be, and not just because of that hit, because he's gone back-to-back weeks. But more importantly, how now that you know that that was the touchdown, you were super impressed with the throw. How about the catch? Oh, unbelievable catch. I mean, to hang on to that is amazing. It's funny, though. like The hang on is amazing. But if I'm the route runner, I know that's where the ball's going to be. I, I know it is. Yeah, that's the way we practiced it too. Because when we, we practice that, you got to throw under, over, like over the top of a, the underneath coverage. It's just it's all so tight in the red, it's condensed and tight in the red zone. It was a perfect throw. It was an amazing catch. It was a hell of a play. 
and I'm an idiot for even mentioning that. <laughs> it's okay. No, and when you're watching no, the I all 22, don't. it pops up as first and one for the two point conversion. It, that people need to understand you're not watching. I just start clicking through. I don't yeah. watch the field goals. Yeah, yeah the extra points. Yeah. Um, all right, hell of a play. This is a hell of a play. Hell of a throw. So, what about the next drive when they get the ball back and they get a field goal before the half? So the only one I don't like on the next drive is he's got to throw away to the left on a run action early. They're not all big throws, Kev. They don't all have to be big throws. But if you watch the run action, it might have been the first play. I think it was the first play. Gibson's wide open in the flat. It's going to be eight yards. And he's going to get out of bounds if you want him to get out of bounds. But just throw the flat. When you see underneath coverage that soft, the flat's open. It's, it was soft. He comes back and really throws a nice ball in the middle of the field on a, on a sit route to Curtis Samuel. He then has that scramble play where they call holding on Charles Leno. That's not holding, man. It wasn't. Like when the quarterback's past you and then the guy tries to turn and run and you push him, you're pushing him. I don't understand how I can hold someone when I'm pushing them forward. It's not holding. Okay. I don't know. That's my that's my opinion on it. I, the quarterback was already passed. The defensive lineman is trying to react downfield, and Leno pushes him over. I love the way he scrambles, and by the way, he's a natural slider as well. Yeah, good slide. I yeah. mean, safe. He was safe a lot. Mm-hmm. He could still second. Freaking hell of a shot down the sideline <laughs> in the cover two hole again. He's taking a hit. To Bates. To Bates. And it's, again, it's funny because I didn't watch the game. I'm like, the next play I'm looking at coverage, I'm like, well, must be half. Denver's all in the end zone soft. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they showed you the time. You know, when I, had, when, when I was watching film when I had not all 22, like real film. Yeah. They panned to the scoreboard and showed time down and distance every single play. Right. Would be nice. Yeah. Um, dude, I don't know. Like, you can go through, like, he really played well the rest of the game. You know, he's got the... How about the throw to Terry throw, for the touchdown? You, oh, my God. What an awesome throw. And here's the thing. Like, that safety, it has a chance to get into it. But he is flat-footed when that ball leaves Howell's hands. The safety in the middle of the field. Terry's going to win. We're going to trust Terry to win our guy against his guy. i got to trust him that he's going to win. The safety is what i got to do with the quarterback. He is great with his eyes, holding the safety as long as he possibly can to that backside in route. He holds him as long as he can, and that safety does a pretty good job staying in a gray area where I don't know what to throw. But he's flat-footed. It's an excellent read. Big-time throw to Terry. Loved it. Yeah. You know, after the interception, they come back. He misses Dotson on a dig who's wide open. He does throw a check down. Then you have the sack fumble. But when you look at the sack fumble, if you look at it close, I'm I'm pretty sure it's Terry and then Curtis Samuel. They're both running crossing routes. They run into each other and knock each other down. Exactly, yeah. So it's like, oh, shoot. Good point. that's a tough one. And then on, 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 that, on that play, though, can I just ask you something real quickly? Is he at the right depth, or does he need to step up? 
that's, I think he can step up. But at the same time, he is throwing the crosser. Like, it's coming out in timing. Okay. It, it, it becomes a problem when your two guys smash into each other. And it's however you coach those shallow crosses, there's always one coach to go over the top of the other. You know who the one is. They don't decide once they start running crossers. One is deemed the over. Right. And one is deemed the shallow. Got it. However they call it. I mean, they, they well, decide they, that. It looks like they were confused on this one because... I thought I, thought I, was, I, thought I was the shallow. It's, but I want to... Well, you always want to be the shallow because the, shallow, the over is really the pick route. Right. The shallow is the guy you're trying to throw the ball to. And then the over is the guy you can hit later. He'll sit down afterwards and you can hit it later. Yeah, it's funny because when you watch us on the All-22, you can see Deami Brown and Curtis Samuel both, I think, believe they are the under. But it looks like Deami realizes at the last second, no, maybe it's not me. I was the over. And then they just collide. It's too late. It's actually a perfect coaching tape for how you run that pick route into the defender. Yeah. <laughs> Try to make sure it's not your guy. <laughs> yeah. By the way, also, like in basketball, you want to be – you can't – no moving picks. All right, let's try to set that one down and make sure that they run right into you and you're, you're – you, by the way, cover up your junk um, on those picks. All right, what else? The, the easiest – by the way, the easiest way – and, the, like, I was always pretty good at this. You know the direction you want the guy to go. Like, if you're the over and you have your guy coming underneath you, you want the guy to go over the top of you. So you're trying to set the angle. But what you're really trying to do is, is create that interaction. Like when you're in a hallway or some tight space with people walking, have you ever had that moment where you walk and somebody's coming to you no, and one course. person steps one way and you step that same way and you're like, oh, ooh, ah, <laughs> right. ah. <laughs> yeah. What way are we going to go? Be- you know, I actually do that on purpose still a lot of times. Just to see oh, what people God. Do. You're the, of course you do. Of course you do. Let me let me make somebody feel really uncomfortable if I can do it. But, Walk at them, and they'll start. Most people will start to take like a slight angle mm-hmm. away from you, and you, you can't be looking up because it's obvious. But just start moving on that angle that they're at, they're at, and then and then you create okay. this weird like ooh ooh yeah. Don't okay me. And what then, happens? What you do? Yeah. What? Do you, sorry, Jamie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, hold okay, on, hold on. One, one quick thing. Hell of a throw to Turner. One quick go thing. Go Go ahead. Bef- after the, the sack, this was an important part of the game, and I don't know if you got the flavor of it. Ron actually sends Joey Sly out to kick a 59-yard field goal in a game where his defense, oh, is, now, his defense is now dominating, and a lot of people thought that was a big mistake. What did you think? They think he should have punted. Denver, man. 59-yarder is a 54-yarder. Exactly. That's what I said. It's a 52-yarder in warm weather, according it's, to the It's science. a great day in Denver with at a mile high, kicking that field goal. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm trusting my kicker to make, that, to make that field goal. If he says to me, hey, look, I got – if we had to, I got 64 in Denver today. He would you know, I'm feel good at 60. Yeah, 58, 59. I feel good about it. Then I'm kicking the field goal. I don't, I don't have a problem with that field goal. The the uh, the other part of the context there, and you probably don't know this, is they've had some snapping issues with their long snapper. He 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 drill he bobble he basically rolled one back on the first missed field goal. It's like four games if you include the preseason where he's had at least one bad snap. 
Um, they brought in five long snappers yesterday, but they decided to keep Cameron Cheeseman, who is the guy is who's their long snapper. But anyway, all right, continue. I'm really regretting not transferring my career, not just sticking oh. around. Long snapper and and snapping. I can snap. I bet you can. I was I'm not. I wasn't great at it, but if if you said to me today, "Hey, Chris, why don't you spend the next three months snapping?" And I, like I would go out in the field, like what was that movie? Necessary Roughness with the old quarterback where he threw it at the tire. Yeah, a great movie. Wasn't what's her face in that movie? Um, uh, Kathy Ireland. Kathy Ireland. Yeah. I'd go out in a field and I'd just snap into a tire for three or four hours a day. I'd have that down so fast. It, Ryan, Ke- you know, you know Ryan Keel. Ryan Keel listens to this Love podcast all the time, and he's Love probably listening right great. now. Hey, Ryan's such a Hi, great, Ryan. great dude. He, I mean, he had a twelve-year career as a long snapper. I mean, if you can perfect that, it's pretty good money. For, and by the way, you don't right now. Ryan, right now, Ryan kills like no, dude. You would not just snap for three months into a tire <laughs> exactly. and go into an NFL game. Like, <laughs> exactly. I mean, but you know what? No, I did it. You know, I, I think I've told you this. During my senior year, our coaches won. I mean, they knew that I was going to play in the league, but not exactly what and where and how. And like, you got to learn how to long snap. So I long snapped for two games, and the first game did fine. And we played in North Texas, and I I literally rolled one to the punter, like onside kick snap to the punter. <laughs> and I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing that ever again. No, it's it's much. Uh, not only that, it's the pressure. I mean, you you have one job, and and by the way, you can't get hit anymore. They can't hit the long snapper. You have no, and no one cares if the long if the long snapper can actually make a tackle. That's great, but all we really need is like just. Try to push him in a direction. <laughs> push him towards a real tackler. And you know what you do as a long snapper on a day-to-day basis? Nothing. Fucking nothing at practice. There's no real film to watch. How, how many times am I going to watch him punt return to see where the guy's going to go? Or who's going to block me? Like, give me an hour, and I'm pretty sure I got that down for the week. <laughs> like... <sighs> It's the day. It's the best day ever. What's the rookie minimum or veteran minimum now? Too, I'd be making like eight fifty a year, just, <laughs> just hanging out, trading stocks in the players' lounge, eating free lunch, getting all kinds of gear, and jogging down the field here and there. The av- with my head on a swivel. The average salary for a long snapper right now is one million sixty nine thousand dollars a year. So basically, just one point one million is the average. For a long snapper. So, and and the reason that you can't hate that is because Washington's just worked out five long snappers. You just there's just not that many dudes. I should have done it. I could have done it, Ryan. I could have definitely done it. All right, continue. A, continue with Sam Howell. Second half. Why did it? You know what? If I'd have done long snapping though, what? I would have never, never worked with you. No, we w- we wouldn't really know each other that well, and I don't think you'd be as good as, at golf as you are right now. And I'm not no, sure you'd no, be living in Wyoming true. right now. Uh, probably, probably would be in Wyoming. Would definitely be as good at golf because honestly, <laughs> I'm ten years in the league, and we have a team meeting at eight thirty and practices at two. I'm going to play golf. 
Right. No one really knows where I'm at. I'm a long snapper. Like, hey, where, where you at, man? Uh, uh, in the bathroom. I'll be back in a minute. Like, no one's paying attention to me. Nobody ever paid attention to Nick Sundberg? No. And the other thing with the long snapper is, like, I, get, like, I would want to play on the practice team because I would get to play football every day. The long snapper doesn't even play on the practice squad because you can't get him hurt. Right. It's like this... He's George Costanza when he's Bubble Boy. <laughs> exactly. All right, what about Sam in the second half? Yeah, big throws. I mean, huge throw to Turner in the end zone to go up 28-24. Huge throw. I like Turner. Um, Shuffle my papers because I'm sitting outside and the wind just blew it over. <laughs> um, but uh, it, that was a big throw. Um, well, that wasn't into the end zone, though, but... Yeah, that was close to the end zone. It got down to the two-yard line, right? Yeah, you got to score there if you're Turner. I mean, you just got to score. But you like Cole Turner? Uh, I do. I, th- I think he's. I think he's got some burst. I think he's got some stuff to him. Um, you get that last drive, and I mean, thank you, Fabian Moreau, on a third and seven sack where he's holding. <laughs> right. Thank that was, you. That was that was critical. But like even at, up twenty-eight, twenty-four, uh, you got a boot. He's rolling right. Smart play. Just nothing there. Let's just scramble and get three. I'll become the check down late and get three and we'll survive and I, mean, I thought after the score to go up 28 24 he played smart he played within himself i really do i really kev i really think he played very well this set uh, to the, me as, as a second as a second game really as a starter third but as a second game it's an a it's an a performance for what's really a rookie or a second year player it was awesome i was very impressed with him I give him an A. All right. Uh, one question, follow up on Hal, and then we'll get to whatever else you uh, went through, including Eric Bieniemy's um, play calling and game plan. But last week, a big part of the conversation, and you didn't see the Arizona game, was essentially six sacks. Who was at fault? And a lot of the, you know, now what we like to, to refer to as the amateur film breakdown guys on the internet. Um, they all believe that it was pretty much all Sam. Ron kind of spoke to it being mixed. I went through all of them. First of all, there were a couple of sacks that were more kind of line of scrimmage losses. Um, but I thought he definitely held on to the ball too long. I also thought the offensive line was getting beat pretty badly. Um, there were four sacks in this game, and you just mentioned, I mean, there was another one where Fabian Moreau was holding, uh, and so that one got wiped away. Did you have any sense of fault on the sacks because that is one of the things that people said about him coming in is that he holds on to the ball too long and he takes a lot of sacks. I think one criticism was it doesn't always have to be the deep shot down the field. Another one, the, the Leno one, I think was, it was a combination. Leno, Leno was beat, but if he steps up and climbs, he's probably got an opportunity. You know, he had another sack where it's, he gets face masked right. and it's not a sack. Yep. Um, but I thought he played with pretty good poise and stayed in the pocket and stayed in rhythm in this game. And I also would credit the enemy a lot, and we'll get to that, with keeping him in rhythm and, and keeping Denver off balance. So I, I think that, that helped him a lot, too. Uh, the sack fumble is definitely on the two receivers. Right. The, wait, what, what did you... I, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't... Yeah. I would not hear... After watching the two receivers game, banging into each other, yeah, on the, on the yeah, overall. I would yeah. not in any... I would say... He is going to take some hits, throw the ball down the field. The line is average, not great. 
but it, it was adequate in this game and, and very adequate for what the game plan was. And I, I would not say he's he's a lost dog back there, just wandered around. Like he he knows what he's doing. I think he could be more. I think he could be quicker getting the ball checked down. But I think in terms of making some of the throws down the field and knowing where his reads were, he was very decisive. He also high lows in the intermediate range really well. Like if you have a five yard route and a twelve yard route behind it, he's got a great sense for that. All right, let's get so to. I don't, I don't see it as a problem. A grade for Sam Howell. Uh, let's get to Eric Bieniemy and whatever else you have on your notepad there. We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This segment of the show brought to you by Window Nation. Window Nation's giving you a lot right now. Uh, they're giving you more energy savings. They're giving more, you more value, more features, more options, more home beauty, and they're doing it with a great deal. No money down, no payments, and no interest for two full years. Plus, you can get up to 50% off all style windows right now. Bow, bay, double hung, any style. Save thousands on your new windows and your energy bills all the while upgrading the look and feel of your home. Uh, 866-90-NATION, windownation.com, interest rates, mortgage rates, everything continues to climb, but Window Nation's giving you 0% interest for two years. When you start paying for these windows in the year 2025, you'll be paying half price. Uh, I've been an endorser of Window Nation for 14 years now. You can trust them. I did. You can, too. Use my name. You'll get a free estimate. You've got nothing to lose. 866-90-NATION, windownation.com. No money down, no payments, no interest, and 50% off all style windows. All right. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, Go. My first favorite thing is he, he's got balls to do what it takes to win a game, and he doesn't care how he does it. And the easiest way to describe this is they ran the ball seven times for 28 yards in the first half of this game, and Sam Howell was 19 of 30 for 178 yards. He threw the ball 30 times in the first half, and it wasn't because they were down 21 to 3 or 14 to 3 or whatever the point in the game was. It was because that is how he envisioned moving the ball against the Denver Broncos. And even at throwing it 30 times, they, they created rhythm. They created nuisance plays. They had screens. They had great, great timing offsets that, that make it hard on a defense to get after a quarterback and rush. It, it is really hard to just set back and rush, and especially in early downs when you've got to 
you got to defend running back screen. You got to defend the bubble. You got to. They ran it enough to stay honest. Amazingly, I don't. I don't feel like they were unbalanced in terms of how the game felt. Now, clearly, statistically, they're unbalanced. But in the way the game felt and watching it, there's nothing that I'm watching formationally, motion wise, down and distance wise, that I feel like uh, this is clearly a pass. You know, and, and also, if you really think about those seven runs, I'll bet you four of them were on second and three or less to, for a first down. At least three of them were. I'm, well, sure, I'm sure three of them were. Well, the, by the way, the inside said, zone stuff were all second and three. You said 30 pass attempts, which is true, but there were 36 pass play calls if you count sacks and penalties. So it was 36 to 7 on their 43 offensive snaps in the first half. I mean, that's not the enemy being, in my opinion. I don't think he's pass happy. Right. I think that's how he envisioned beating the Denver Broncos. And it's probably because as you start a game, you're not big enough, tough enough up front to just run the ball at people. So why are we going to bang our head against the wall and create? They, I bet you they practice this way. I bet you they ran exponentially more plays on the past game in practice. Situationally, they probably threw the ball more, and this was the plan. And I think he operated and executed a plan how he wanted to. And it, and even at 21, and it was huge for them to score in the first half, but they never got out of game plan. They never got out of rhythm offensively. So the other thing with being to me that I, I love, um, in, in doing this, he created a rhythm for how so confident early in the game. It, it was awesome the way he mixed some formations. He went four by one and threw a screen to it. He went three by two. He motioned to get to stack sets. He created good looks for how, where how could cut the field in half or how could see safety rotation by motion and, and by changing some of the things, personnel groupings and formation. I, I really like that. The nuisance plays were, were great. That's what I call them that now because Al Saunders always, it was, we got nuisance plays. Well, nuisance plays like, Hey, um, we're just going to throw the ball out there to Terry McLaurin and see if we can get three. But it changes the rush of a D lineman. Are you going to really get after it? Are you going to get your hands up? I don't know. Um, a first and ten screen to the tight end is awesome. Yeah. They ended up being big. They come back with a fly sweep after that. They had a screen late in the game where they're in a bunch set and they motion away from a bunch and, and Robinson comes from the other side of the quarterback into it and it's a huge play on a screen. Um, another excellent screen to Gibson. I mean, what, probably six or seven running back screens throughout the game. And he, the Chiefs were terrific in doing that for the last 10 years. They've been awesome at it, and it was integrated immediately. I think we sat here 10 times last year and said, you know, a screen is a play in the NFL. It works really good, Turner. And I think the mix of all of that worked really well. The pass concepts throughout the game to create for how I thought were excellent. I thought Denver played some of it well in the back end where there's going to be deep shots. They're going to create some deep shots. I think they will be able to run the ball a little better moving forward because you've got to be able to defend Hal in the pass. I was surprised that Denver didn't bring more pressures throughout, but I, I, I think Bienemy adjusted accordingly and did a phenomenal job. Like it was an A for Bienemy. Yeah. One or two calls that I go that I thought, eh. And that's it. No, oh, the last thing that I, I wrote down, I, want, I wanted to mention this. Again, it, it's almost like the 
Al Saunders theory. Let's get every single player involved in the game plan and get them all involved early. McLaurin, five receptions. Bates, three. Gibson, three. Brown, three. Dotson, three. Samuel, three. Robinson, two. Logan Thomas, a couple. Everyone's involved. Byron Pringle caught a ball. Yeah. yeah. Turner had two. Pringle's, by the uh, by the way, number three, if you noticed him. Yeah. I mean, every single – what, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players with the reception – and nine with at least two. Yeah, impressive. I love that in an offensive coordinator, man. Like some, there are games where Puka Nakua is going to catch 25 balls in two games and he's our offense. <laughs> I, I, I loved games where everyone had five receptions. It was fun. We're all involved. We're playing together. And I thought he had the offense... Very organized. I thought they played fast. I thought they played together. I thought they played in rhythm. And I think they stayed in game plan the entire game. So it would be an A for enemy as well. I and they agree. ran the ball in the second I half. Agree. They came back and they started running the ball very effectively in the second half. Yep. Robinson Jr., man. He... Yeah, and that's my last thing, and then I got to bounce. But Robinson Jr. was awesome. He's run after the catch on a couple of the screens. His ability to power run. But to get through tight holes, like he's got this little hop step, this subtle little jump cut. It's not really a big cut. It's just a hesitation cut. And, and find a way to get skinny through some holes is, is awesome. Really good. Uh, and I thought Robinson, who was not really involved in the game much, had a couple huge plays. He had a, obviously, the, the screen was, was huge. Gibson, you're talking, uh, you're, big, you're talking about Gibson. Yeah, Gibson. And, yep. The screen was was huge, yep. and and then he had a big run in the fourth quarter for a first down. Yeah, I agree. You know, he only had two carries, but he had he had a big run in the fourth quarter to get him a first down, and he had the big play on the screen for like third twenty five something like that. And he could have had five or six more receptions. I, what I thought was being open out in the flat on some checkdowns, but it was a fun game to watch. It really was. It was a fun game to watch on film. It was fun to watch Hal. I'm really excited for Hal. Um, I'm excited for some of the young receivers. I think there's a ton of talent there. Like, you look at McLaurin, and I think Josh Dawson's got something really special about him. Deami Brown seems like he's coming on. Um, you said, what would you say? Pringle's number three, right? Yeah. He's quick. I was going to ask you real quickly, because I thought this was the case last week, and I thought it was the case again this week. Other than, you know, some miscommunications – uh, between the two receivers running the uh, the crosser. And I actually thought there were one or two times, and I didn't point this out, where receivers were kind of close to one another. But through the first two games, it just looks like people are open. Did you see that? I saw that, absolutely. And I saw where they're close to each other. Yeah, what, what's that about? No, there? There, was one that, there was one that Howell in the, the second drive of the game. Yeah. And it hits Logan Thomas in the middle of the field. And, and they're running like, Two in routes. One, for, I think it was Pringle on the left, and then it was Logan Thomas on the right. Both running, like kind of race in routes. We always call them race routes. Like it's a it's a race in, and and you have you know an underneath a guy underneath both of them at five yards running and out, or on on Thomas's side it was like an angle in, and you just read the high lowing coverage. It got tight. I mean, it was they they really hit each other after the catch. Right. It was tight. And it. I mean, you might sit there and say Pringle maybe, who knows how they called it, but like in, in a lot of instances like that, 
a Pringle young player, maybe his lineman's three yards tight. Now maybe you want him to push that stem on that side more vertical instead of lean it in. And they're both, you know, I don't know. I've seen this concept a lot of times. It just they ran into each other quick. And by the way, that was an awesome throw. Right on that play we're talking about on the second drive. Um, this was awesome. I mean this this is something that You're everybody's awesome. that everybody's going to enjoy. You know, they play Buffalo this week at home, second straight sellout. Uh at home at FedEx on Sunday. They are six and a half point dogs at my bookie. Go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code Kevin DC, and you'll get two hundred dollars into your account if you make a deposit of fifty dollars or more. Um six and a half they're getting at home against Buffalo. Any chance you want to preview that game a little bit on Friday, or do you want to just do film next week? I'll preview it with you. All right. Well, I don't want to. Josh Allen. We won't promise it, but we'll we'll effort to do that on on Friday, and uh, and that'll work well. And and certainly next week um, on Wednesday to do what you did today next week for the Buffalo game would be awesome. Uh, Sam Hallen, a Eric Bieniemy, and a. Uh, defense, what was going on early? Sean Payton, two, three, five steps ahead of everybody, but they came back. Um, and uh, I don't know what else you said. You said a lot, and we learned a lot. Appreciate it. Go do what you need to do. Thanks for having me on your show, Kevin. <laughs> Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, that's it for the day. Back tomorrow with Tommy. Patrick Ramsey rolling right, looking deep. Has a man wide open. Rod Gardner, beautiful fingertip catch at the 10-yard line. Laid out, flat out, and he makes the grab inside the 10. He drops the easy ones and catches the difficult ones. That was a great catch and a great throw by Patrick on a kind of a speed pattern where he runs to his right to deliver the ball downfield. And remember, guys, this is against the wind.